Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Reasonable Dad podcast. My name is Rob Rosen. I'm the executive producer and creator of the TV show Reasonable Dad. And I'm Fatima Silva, criminal defense attorney and co-host of Reasonable Doubt. And I'm Detective Chris Anderson. I'm a retired homicide investigator and a co-host of Reasonable Doubt. All right. So we're going to assume that if you are here with us on this podcast, you have watched the show before, uh, which is every Tuesday night at 10 o'clock on Investigation Discovery. And uh, this week, we're eventually going to get to talk about the Daniel Bland case. But before we even get to that, I want to check in with my my friends <laughs> and colleagues. How are you guys doing? And what? How many days is this lockdown now? I mean, are you guys holding up? So San Francisco was one of the first cities uh, to implement the lockdown, and so I think we're on like day nineteen, and <laughs> I'm going crazy. Um, no, I mean it's it's going well as far as I hear that it's not. This was the week that they were expecting for the numbers to be the worst. Um, and although everything is, you know, it's still really bad out there, it's just not as bad as they thought. So they're hoping that, you know, the staying home is working. Um, I believe it is, but yeah, you know, we've been at it for a while now. And then they just told us it's another month and I about passed out because my Lord, my child's gonna, yeah. You gonna turn me in an alcoholic over here. <laughs> Chris, how are you holding up? Oh, well, you know, uh, here in Alabama, things are getting, you know, they, the, the numbers are increasing they are progressing very rapidly here uh, in the South. You know, social distancing is something that the South Southerners are not used to. We don't understand it. So, yeah, but, you know, other than that, me personally, I think that, uh, you know, I'm maintaining, I, I no longer want to be essential because I'm having <laughs> to go into work every day. Uh, but, you know, the way that, the way that our office is set up, we've set up, 
in a manner so that we'll have at least the least amount of exposure as possible. But being an essential employee, you know, I have to go in uh, almost every day. Somebody was proposing that essential uh, people never have to pay taxes again. I I like that idea. (laughs) I like that that. idea. That would that would probably get my vote for 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 whoever proposed it. Right, that's not the worst <laughs> idea though. Y'all deserve it, man. I mean, every time I go to the grocery store, I'm just like, bless your heart, because, I mean, what would we do if they were just all closed? I don't know. Rob, how are you holding up in the pandemic? Are you still maintaining? Uh, have you increased your walking distance now to about thirty miles per day? Today was uh, a very very long walk, and um, where are you walking to? Well, all right. So there are like these kind of like hipster streets uh, in Venice, Abbot Kinney, and then Main Street in Santa Monica. And I walk through all of those. And then on the way back, um, I do walk on the street that's along the beach. The beach itself is closed, but there's a, but there's a street and you have a beautiful view of the ocean and nobody's there. And, you're so um, spoiled, Rob. Wait, so you're no, walking worst, from, your, from your apartment down to Venice Beach and back? No, Santa Monica and back. Santa Monica. Monica. Yeah, yeah. That's so a Venice, drive. That's... Chris, yeah, remember when drive. we were in LA? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <That's>... Chris <laughs> yes. and I would not even try to walk. No. We would maybe walk to Venice Beach. <laughs> yeah, we would walk to Venice but Beach. Santa I mean, that Monica, was. Wow. You know what it is? This is like a preview of like retirement life. Like somehow my days fill up, and at the end of it, I can't really tell you what I did. But you know, it's just like <laughs> I know I walked. I, did I know stuff. I walked. I know I ate. Today we Wait, did a podcast. I'll, did you finally work off all the terrible food we eat on the road? I'm not I'm quite still there yet, but I'm working. I'm working on it. Oh I don't my think goodness! That, I think Cordell, Oklahoma, was the, the that was the one that like pushed me over the top. Wait, my favorite is that every single episode, whenever we'd check into the hotel, I'd go and look at the gym and I'd be like, Chris, did you see the gym? They got a really good gym. I'm going to be here when I'm off, like when I'm not out filming. All right. Yeah. Did I ever really go into one of the gyms? Maybe once or twice. <laughs> I think it was usually me. Our sound guy, Matt Kendall, would yeah. be in the gym. I would see Chris. Yeah. Every once in a while. Chris, I'm not going to sit back and even front. Like I went every single time, every, at least once while we were out. I did my first so. season, but then with the baby, I was like, oh gosh, no. Now you had a lot going on. Yeah. You had a lot going on. All right. Let's start off by uh, giving a little bit of background. This is the uh, Daniel Bland case, uh, which is out in uh, right near Chris's neck of the woods in uh, Coosa County, Alabama. County. July 28th, 1994. Rural Coosa County, Alabama. 37-year-old high school athletic coach Michael Bernos is found dead in an easy chair in his home. His body is riddled with 15 bullets from two different weapons. The only clue? Bernos's wallet is found on a small road six miles away. For three months, the case is stone cold. And then, a break. A convicted drug dealer named Tony Quince is busted in a sting. In jail, Quince tells two undercover cops posing as inmates that he killed Bernos. He also happens to live close to where the victim's empty wallet was found. Quince is charged with the murder. Then in 1995, in a surprise move, police also arrest Coach Bernos' adopted son, a 24-year-old named Daniel Bland. 1996, Bland and Quince are tried separately. 
Quince is convicted of murder first and sentenced to life without parole. Prosecutors argue that Daniel had a drug habit, was in debt to Quince, and that the two of them went to Bernos's house to rob him. The jury buys it. Daniel Bland is convicted of murder. He is serving a life sentence with no chance of parole. I think everybody felt that it was hard to look at the conviction and think that that was a justifiable conviction. Is that, would you guys agree with that? Oh yeah. I agree with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yet, and I think this speaks a lot to like the, really the heart of what this show is, you know, reasonable doubt is not about going back and saying, oh, do we agree or disagree with a 20 year old court trial? It's about saying, is there a path forward? Is there a way uh, to help a convict who might have been wrongfully convicted to actually get out of uh, get out of prison and and Fatima, maybe you can speak to it as a as a defense attorney, but I think when you got the leads and you started looking into them, you had to really be forward looking and not get stuck in like whatever injustice may have happened when the trial originally took place. Yeah, I mean that's a struggle I encounter probably with every single episode. <laughs> I have to retrain my thinking, right? Um, I'm a defense attorney always, right? Back home, I have my business and um, I have clients. And then when I step on, when I step onto set and, you know, I'm meeting with experts in the family, I have to remind myself that I'm, I'm, you know, in almost the shoes of an appeals lawyer, which is very different than what I do on the daily, right? I'm at the phase where this is before trial um, and you know it's at trial, but an appeals lawyer, you have a heavier burden and we talk about this often. You're looking for things that can now, you have to point to things that uh, will show innocence, not, oh, it's possible. No, that, I mean, the court is done with possibilities. These are tax dollars at this point, right? You're, you want us to hear this case, you need to have new evidence. Um, and of course, there's different um, appeals you can take and different steps um, in, in post-conviction. But that is a struggle for me because I oftentimes find so many problems at that trial level that I want to point to that all the time. I've probably done it every single case this season so far. <laughs> These were issues and gosh, if only, you know, the attorney, uh, you know, had done better or if only the jury knew this, then it would change things. But would it change things today? Not necessarily. And this is one of those classic cases. So this was uh, so bizarre because you had another uh, convict uh, who was convicted of this murder, a guy by the name of Tony Quince, Um, but it was in two separate trials, right? So Tony Quince, the big piece of evidence, as far as I can tell, right, that both of these cases were basically based on jailhouse informants. Um, Chris, you spoke to Tony Quince, and I know you're you're very familiar with, uh, you know, Uh, how things are done in Alabama. Um, There were undercover police officers who went into the prison and Tony Quince admits that he told them, he claims that he was just trying to show off and impress them, but he told them that he killed Bernos. How compelling is that evidence? That's extremely compelling because first off, law enforcement would not send their own officers into a prison to sleep there and stay there over a time period to be CIs unless they already knew that this person would say that I killed coach. So uh, the only way I can see them doing this, and I can't remember if it was a part of the case file or not, I think it was that he had already told some inmates 
that he had uh, murdered Coach, and then they sent in the law enforcement officers, and the law enforcement officers went in undercover, and then he admitted to them. So yeah, that is extremely compelling when you can get a law enforcement officer who sat in prison with uh sat in jail with a person and he confesses to them that these are not jailhouse snitches these are law enforcement officers so basically he confessed to law enforcement that he committed he committed this murder yeah yeah that that's extremely compelling chris how often though uh i know in my experience it's it's quite frequent that you know especially people from certain kind of communities they do say things to boast especially in jail happens all Mm -hmm. the time it happens but Tony Quince was more than willing to tell anybody, anybody that came around him. But that's the point. Like, if if you really did something, I don't think you'd be that dumb. I just think if you're trying to brag about something, you want word out that, you know, you're cool and you're to be respected, then you're going to say it to anybody who will listen. Well, let's also <laughs> add that, that the victim's wallet was found right near Tony Quince's house. Right. I mean... A lot of people live near there. A lot of people who you sounded like a defense attorney. Yeah, you, I'm you just giving like the other side. <laughs> I think I, I think didn't it was meet pretty, with I Tony think... Quince. I don't know the whole Quince story, but I'm just trying to give the other side in that. <laughs> there you, go. you know, exonerations happen all the time because people bragged about something they didn't do. Well, let's bring it back to Daniel Bland now. Now, Chris, you spoke to Tony Quince by phone from prison, and you asked him, "Did Daniel have anything to do with this?" And here's what he said. I never know Daniel until I had a case with Daniel. They said I sold him drugs. I never sold Daniel no drugs. Uh, when you were charged with this crime, did they ever offer you a deal? They offered me 25 years to testify against Daniel. And I told those people that, man, I don't know nothing about if Daniel did that or not. I'm not going to get up there and tell a lounge man to try to protect or save myself. You do realize that you would probably be out of prison now had you taken that deal. If I could go back right now and change the hand of time, I still would be on the same thing, man. I'm not no rat. And you got to know something about something to tell something. They saying that me and him did it together. And I know me and him ain't did nothing together because I ain't never been with no Daniel Bland. I never know Daniel Bland. So how could we have committed a crime together? His statement was was really iffy with me. I mean, I, I have to take everything that he says with a grain of salt. Does it help him or hurt him if he says that Daniel Bland was with him or, or, or that he knew Daniel Bland because they went to court and they said that they didn't know each other? You know, I think it, it was incumbent on the law enforcement that investigated this case to, to see if there is or how were they connected in order for you to go through and prosecute this case. That was the problem for me. And I, I don't know if we really ever even came to a conclusion when we did our investigation. So, uh, yeah. I felt like after I saw that um, interview, and I'm not the expert when it comes to, you know, the convicts, but I felt like, well, I think uh, Tony Quince's family needs to call us because I have opinions on Tony Quince's guilt. I really do. Um, Chris, Chris's eyes just got really big. I, I doubt, uh, I have my doubts as to whether he was a part of this. Um, I think more Daniel than him. I think it was definitely more personal. Um, I do think there was somebody else involved in this, but I felt that he was pretty convincing 
Um, and, and I, and we couldn't find any connection between him and Daniel. So, you know, the fact that he is so honest with, yeah, I went around bragging about it and, you know, but I've never met that guy. And the fact that he wasn't even willing to sell out another person to get lesser time. Um, I just felt like that was pretty persuasive to me that he may be in there for the wrong crime. Let me ask you something, Fatima. So just I'll play devil's advocate. I'll, t- I'll take the journalist role here and play devil's advocate <laughs> with you. I mean, Tony Quince gets arrested first, right? So he's bragging in the prison that he took care of Coach. Uh, they bring in undercover officers. He admits that he told them that he killed Coach, and he claims he was just trying to boast and sound big. His wallet is found near his house, the victim's wallet, and we know that he's a drug dealer. He admits that. Daniel Bland gets arrested a year later. And really, the only piece of evidence that I could see, like an actual piece of evidence, were some jailhouse informants. That was, those weren't the undercover cops. And there didn't seem to be really anything else that specifically tied Daniel to the murder. But it, it, it seemed to me that Tony Quince was in a lot deeper. I, I Something about this case, I don't, I don't know. It, it, you know... Two people coming in. The, there were a lot of things for me. I remember that week looking back at it. You know, Coach is sitting back in his chair and he's very relaxed, showing he's comfortable with the person that's in his house. Um, you know, shot fifteen times. By and two just to point out, and just to be fair, to point out, Tony Quince did play for him. Uh, he, he did. He was, yeah, he played for him in basketball, so they knew each other. I mean, they knew one another. We, I don't know. Right. I personally just. Felt, I think my reasoning is I feel Daniel is a part of this. Um, and it's based on a lot of circumstantial evidence, which is funny because I hate circumstantial evidence. All right. So back to the original premise we were talking about. I, I think everybody had problems with the, uh, the actual initial conviction. But When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? 
I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Now, when it came down to investigating the leads and seeing whether you guys could get behind Daniel's case, there were some contradictions, and some of them weren't even about the biggest points. But one of them was Daniel and everyone around him insists that he had never, ever sold drugs. They were really clear about that. But Fatima, you spoke to his old friend, Todd, who said something different. Was he ever in debt to you? No, I sold him pot. Actually, it wasn't long before I, I enlisted him to start moving it for me. Is this around the time of the murder? It was a little bit before the murder. So he started selling weed or other drugs? Just pot, because there was there was so much money to be made in pot. There was no reason to fool with any of that other stuff. I mean, he made about 100 bucks a day, and, and that was a lot of money back then. So Fatima, when you, I assume you felt that Todd was credible, right? Yeah, absolutely. So why lie about something like that? Didn't seem to, to matter. I mean, why, why, why couldn't Daniel and his family just say, yeah, we, I sold pot? We talk about this over and over again, Chris and I, if you're lying about the small things, we can't trust you with the big things. Um, and I think people tend to think, well, you know, if you, if you just tell somebody that you're something, you know, you do, you dealt in drugs, or if you just tell somebody, yeah, he molested me or, um, yeah, I hated him, then that just gives motive. And, and although that could be true, you have to let intelligent people work it out. You need to let the jury work it out. You need to let your lawyers deal with it. It is better that they know and that they can address it. Um, and you know, oftentimes that's what we do as defense attorneys all the time. I mean, a client may not be squeaky clean, but if, if he's facing murder, you say, okay, so this guy dealt some weed. Okay. But he's, he's being accused of murder, two very different things. And you want to bring that up to the jury. Uh, and so him denying it, I just kind of felt like that's because that's what he keeps doing. And that's just not helping his case. Right. And I agree with that. I never want to get, I never want to start using a person's past to say that they're guilty of something else. You know, I, I, I've all, I've, I've tried to, to make sure that that doesn't become a, that, that portion of their lives does not become a part of my decision-making uh, when it comes to these cases. So when Fatima and I talked about that interview, yeah. Okay. Yes. He lied. Does that show some light on who he is as a person? Absolutely. Was that a part of the reason why we can't, why I decided to, to come to the decision that I, I came to on this case? No, it, it really wasn't. 
Yeah. So, and I mean, keep in mind too, to, to expand on what Chris said and clarify, of course, the past indiscretions are going to play a role if the crime is related to that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes we've had a couple cases this season where it is a significant other. It's a, it's a man who's accused of uh, killing his wife, his girlfriend. If there's domestic violence, of course, that's going to be considered. Right. Um, you know, if this if it's was a domestic case, right? If this was a drug deal gone wrong and right. he claims, you know, he's not a drug dealer and he was, that's going to make a difference. But it's considered, but it's not, it, once again, and same thing with uh, a man who hits his wife does not mean he would kill his wife. Mm-hmm. Does it mean that there's potential there? Um, yes. And so that's what we, that's how we have to weigh these things. And it can be really hard. But once again, if you're lying about the small things, and once again, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm from California, guys, but I'm, you know, it was weed. All right. So that was contradiction number one. Contradiction number two was kind of a bigger deal. So the loved ones presented a lead that he had a rock solid alibi and it sounded great. Um, He worked someplace like what, an hour and 10 minutes away. And he had punched out at like five o'clock that day, which made the timeline not work anymore. So I think you guys were pretty excited about that lead. Chris went and spoke to a coworker of his named Kenneth. And here's what happened. July 27th, 1994. Yes, sir. That was the day that officers suspect that Daniel's father was murdered. Yes, sir. How was he at work that day? Well, the day, uh, supposedly that the murder took place, uh, I don't think Daniel was at work that day because I clocked Dan in. You you clocked Daniel in that day? Yes, sir. Daniel called me and asked me to clock him in at work, and I, I clocked him in. The family in this case is convinced that this time card alibis Daniel. So this time punch at 719 and this time punch out, you're saying that you did that for Daniel? Yes, sir. So the day of the murder, we know now that Daniel was not at work. Yes, sir. How did you feel about his credibility when you spoke to him? Uh, he came off credible to me in his in his statement uh, when, when when I spoke with him. He came off pretty credible, and that that was one of the leads that you know if if we were going to get behind this case, uh, his friend would have had to have said that hey Daniel was at work that day and told me about his his how he acted and and initially I, I honestly I threw that question in and formed it in the way that I formed it. Uh, just to not really to confuse him, but I just wanted to see, you know, how credible he would answer his question. And, uh, you know, he flat out came out and said that, you know, Daniel was not at work that day, you know, and, and that I clocked him in. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, very damaging. Uh, I think he came across to me, he came across pretty credible. I mean, I'd have to agree. You lose your alibi. That's it. You know? You, you got to be able to explain that. And um, I didn't see, and, and Chris, you had interviewed with him, but based on my review of his testimony and his background and their relationship, this seems like somebody who once again believes in, in his innocence would love to probably say things that are beneficial to helping him. Mm-hmm. But um, he said the truth and, right. and that's an issue, right? You not being at work that day does not make you a murderer. Mm-hmm. But you lying about being at work that day is suspect. So it's interesting because you mentioned that because both Todd and Kenneth both felt that Daniel was innocent, 
but their, uh, their interviews with you really hurt him, uh, even though that wasn't their intention. Um, and the other thing about Kenneth, and this kind of brought out the sort of the, the lying about the small stuff is Kenneth said that he always would punch out Daniel, that this was that Daniel was a partier and he always did. And then when you spoke to Daniel, he denied all of that. He said it never happened. Right. You can't expect for us as a team to jump in behind your case when, you know, I can't get the truth out of you now, even 25 years later. I so, just wish these inmates had access to our uh, all our episodes because <laughs> we are going to find out the truth. Right, right. We right. are going to learn it somehow. You may as well tell us now. Mm-hmm. You know, Sit, help help us help you. Come right. on. Right. But no, you- no. It's like they don't. They have no clue what we're there for. They just think we're there for them, and they're like, what? No, I didn't do that. Oh, really? Okay, well, now we can't help you. Mm-hmm. Well, contradiction number three, and this was the big one. And this is a sensitive topic, so in no way, you know, we don't know the truth of what happened, but really for over 20 years and through the first trial and through all his teenage years, uh, Daniel never said anything about Mike Bernos, the victim who had adopted him as his own son, never made any allegations against him. But now... All this time later, uh, he's saying that he was molested when he was a kid, which inadvertently kind of gave him a motive. But besides that, Chris, you asked him, um, why now? Why is he coming forward with this now? And I'm just going to speak personally, but I, I'll, I'll be interested to your reaction to, to this clip. I just found his answer to be really not compelling. Now, I understand that, that Mike had a sickness. Uh... He had a, uh, I'll go ahead and say it. He, uh, he had a molestation problem. Okay. Did Mike molest you? It happened. Yes, it did. How old were you? Uh, I guess between the ages of 11, 12, all the way up until about 14 or 15. But why didn't you bring the molestation up during trial? Because I respect him enough not to do that. Even after he molested you, you were still respected him? Yeah. The greater good that he did for me outweighed the bad. Yeah, so that, you know, look, I empathize with anyone that has ever been in a position of molestation. Now, with all of that said, he's, he's being tried for murdering this person but he never brings up the molestation because he says he has, you know, so much respect for this man. And, and, you know, he revered this man so much that he would not bring up the molestation, but you're being tried and, and were, uh, was ultimately convicted in this case, you know, and that's, that to me was hard to swallow. It's hard for me to believe him. And, and it just goes back to reinforce everything that we've said thus far, those small things that you lie about, and then you, you'll lie about the larger things. So, and you know, yeah. It's interesting because he actually never pointed out, and nobody ever pointed, nobody ever pointed out that um, Coach Bernos ever really asked for forgiveness, changed mm-hmm. his ways. Oh, he came to Jesus and, you know, approached me, asked me back into his life, said he was apologetic for everything that had happened and um, said he wanted to be a better father to me. I I never heard any of that. So you can't say you um, forgive something as heavy 
as heavy and serious as being molested. And then, I mean, that's like, you're like Mother Teresa to do that. And then the next moment say, oh yeah, but I was pissed about the motorcycle. And yeah, I still kind of, you know, I stand behind being upset about not getting that motorcycle. That's just either somebody who is unstable or somebody who's lying. And either and I, way, it's somebody who can't really be trusted. And I can say this for that I know in the state of Alabama, him admitting to this molestation, it probably it definitely would have weighed heavily on the uh, jurors in this case. Absolutely. Definitely. Uh, it would have made him look bad as, mm-hmm. as a victim. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I got to admit there were moments in this, I, you know, our victims usually are, they don't really have a history for the most part, you know, we really want justice for them, for their family. I mean, we want justice regardless, but I, I mean, deep down, I was like, Hey, if this guy did, was this, ugh. let's just say that justice had been served in this case. Let's just say that, uh, Daniel Bland, who had been estranged from his adoptive dad came back to see him for some strange reason that we don't know. Um, he finds out one that he's been cut out of his will. Um, and then a month later, the guy is dead. He's laying in his easy chair. It's obviously someone he knew and trusted who was inside and he'd been shot multiple times. I wanna say this carefully because I know there are victims of child molestation and I'm even gonna just preface this in case somebody takes this the wrong way. I was one of those people. But isn't it just possible that if Daniel Bland is guilty, that this is just something that is completely made up for your investigation because it had never been brought up before in 25 years, and it sort of sends us in one direction, and it's almost like a red herring? Yes, that's kind of like the whole, that's the whole theme of this case, you know? Yeah, that, 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 you're absolutely right. Uh, and, and one thing that I have to hang my hat on, no, I don't remember anyone else making these same accusations against the coach on this, in this case, the only person that it helped would be Daniel. And he's the only person that made the accusation. How, how much did the circumstantial play into it for you guys? And, you know, I, I, I know Fatima hates to hear me say this, but it, it they're just too many coincidences you know in this case. It's <laughs> funny you're going to say that because I was just about to say, I think Chris is getting in my head with there's far <laughs> too many coincidences. I mean, no, let's keep it real. Like, uh, as a defense attorney, my job is to, and the, and the truth and the reality is there are some cases that just have coincidences and that's it. It doesn't lead to anything. It, Sometimes life has coincidences. It happens. But when it comes to these cases, yeah, I think Chris is in my head sometimes. And you see things like that. And it's not even just Chris. It's like common sense. Come on. You have a falling out over a motorcycle. And then you come back and generously decide on your own to forgive him of molestation. He doesn't even ask you. And then you're okay with the fact that he's also cut you out of his will. Oh yeah, no, that's no big deal. So it's no big deal. He touched me. It's no big deal. He cut me out of his will. Uh, But yeah, that motorcycle you're supposed to get me. That one really pissed me off that I didn't talk to him for 10 years. And then a month later, he's dead. Right. Come on. Uh, and, and And 30 days prior to that, you had just come back into his life. Was the deliberation hard for you guys? Because I think, I think this was one of those that um, was tougher than most cases. It wasn't that clear cut. It was hard. It was yes. hard because we, there were so many things involved. So, you know, there were, we, had, we had different people. And, and um, I mean, there was a lot involved in this that we had to kind of, we had to parcel it all out and kind of 
you know, what make arrows? Well, what did that point to? What does this point to? All right. Well, this was a great investigation. Next week, we've got another really interesting case. It's another law enforcement officer, this time a woman uh, who was convicted mm. of murdering her boyfriend. This one's and good, y'all. This one is, is <laughs> It makes so me cry good. every I hate to time. say the episodes are good because it's terrible, but for our viewers, knowing what they like and they're passionate about, it's good. Yeah. Oh, you cried, Rob? I did. <gasps> oh, the lights. Man. The lights got in my eyes. I didn't man. know you guys showed all that. I remember we bawled, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll, we're going to discuss that case next week. Please watch it. Uh, Tuesday night, 10 o'clock on Investigation Discovery. My name's Rob Rosen. I am the executive producer and creator of Reasonable Doubt, the TV show. And my name is Detective Chris Anderson. I'm a retired homicide investigator and the co-host of Reasonable Doubt. And I'm Fatima Silva, criminal defense attorney and co-host of Reasonable Doubt. And we will talk to you and next week. And that's my week. kid in the background. <laughs> I gotta go, guys. Stay safe, everybody. Wash your hands. Stay indoors. Chris, you got anything? Wear your mask. Yeah, wear your mask. And, and to all essential employees, I'm praying for us all. I'm too. Jesus See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.